everybody. So we are so excited today to be here to be talking about the first two episodes of season two of Star Trek Discovery. I'm Rachel and my friend Tom is here to talk about the new season. Howdy. Yeah, so we haven't been able to podcast together for quite a while. So fun. Yeah, it's been a long wait. Yes. <laughs> you uh, excited, I guess, about the new season and the, how did the show sort of sit with you the more you thought about it? Um, yeah, it was really, it was, I got a, I got more than, than I expected. So I expected it to be a little more upbeat and, um, a little more settled and I got that, but I also got, we're also getting a lot more than that. Uh, a lot more action, a lot more humor, um, a lot more interesting stuff going on with the characters. So, um, I, and we'll get into it, but no, I it, it's exceeded my expectations so far. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think both of these first two, I mean, I really liked season one. Some of the, the mirror stuff wasn't my favorite, but mm-hmm. um, the rest of the season I thought was very cinematic and very engrossing and very well acted. So I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, this continues those qualities as far as the, the uh, production. And, but yeah, I agree. It feels a little bit lighter um, but but still thoughtful and uh, and so I'm uh, I'm you know really uh, excited for the season and I think it started off pretty strong with these two episodes so yeah and this is what we're gonna do for the rest of the series we're just gonna we're gonna try to do every two episodes to cover it uh, that's what I did for Doctor Who this last season and I, I felt like it was really helpful and, and I just enjoyed that format so uh, let us know if you're listening what you think of that and um, but that's what our plan is currently so anyway let's dive right in the first episode uh, was called brother and what were your overall thoughts about this this episode um, yeah I feel like they, they got some I felt like the, the amount of fan service was just right. I felt like there was a nice balance there, right? Because we see the Enterprise, we see Spock at least as a little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of tease us meeting Spock, but we don't get him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we get Captain Pike, and um, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. But mm-hmm. I have to admit that like, since we don't have much, he's a bit of a blank slate. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, it's interesting to see Anson Mount take the role and do something with it you know so yeah i mean i I agree uh the it was fun to see jet reno uh the character uh comedian tig notaro is her name yeah she's great she's a lot of fun i've seen her and she was just recently in instant family which i thought was such a lovely surprise of a movie it was really good and uh she plays a one of the I don't know if you called guidance counselors, but one of the the people that are helping the family through uh, helping all the various adoptive parents through the process. Mm-hmm. And she was hilarious. Her and Octavia Spencer were really good. <laughs> and so she, so it was fun to see her in this. And uh, yeah, I, Christopher Pike, I like the actor. I think he's a good actor. And uh, it was interesting. The Vulture article, he says, uh, the, the Vulture reviews are really good. I really enjoy them. And he says that, he not only has the review, which are really well done, but he also does a um, uh, a play-by-play kind of thing that he does while watching it. That you can oh, like kind of library, uh, yeah. like it, 
his reactions recorded yeah. as he goes. Personal log, he calls it, which is very oh, okay. There you go. Trekking way to put it. But anyway, they're very good. And he says he felt like this was a move expressly designed to placate a hardcore cadre of Trekkies who have already expressed serious doubts about the show to begin with. Would you agree? That it's made for them? Is that what he's saying? Yeah, bringing back Pike. Um, I think it's kind of reassurance, but I think it's also just sort of using what's there. It's using the canon to... Mm you know, as a resource. Yeah. He also says, which is interesting, he says, uh, he says, it is with slightly bemused optimism that I report that the season two premiere, which for better or worse, ignores almost all of the events of last season, is made delightful almost entire, entirely thanks to Pike's arrival on the ship. So he was a big fan of the move, but uh, but yeah, anyway, he, would you agree that, that, that we've kind of put last, si- last season behind us? so far yeah uh, yeah and i think we needed to it, 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 looking on it from from you know i, I re-watched season one leading up to this mm-hmm. um and you know and my poor wife you know put up with a lot uh, <laughs> star trek at once um and she likes it but it's just it was a lot at once yeah and honestly yeah. i found it tiring especially like about episodes eight through 15 yeah the mirror kind of a slog when it, when when this you know, when the shocks and the reveals aren't so shocking and revealing, it was kind mm-hmm. of a slog. Yeah. Um, because it's so dark and heavy. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I felt about the Mirror Universe. It wasn't my favorite. Uh, but, I mean, there's some interesting stuff in there. Yeah, for sure. It. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I felt, I felt uh, Pike really did nicely set the tone for everyone and said and i like how they basically he you know he's looking he might as well be talking to us when he says i'm not Lorca." right exactly yeah so they meet up with the enterprise and that must have been fun to see the two ships and- oh so cool yeah, yeah. i can't <laughs> wait to get mine yeah, yeah um so they it turns out the enterprise has been investigating the seven signals that were like damaged mm-hmm. and these asteroid signals and they they find only one of them is left and so they go to sort of inspect it and they find the uss hiawatha and that's where they meet jet reno mm-hmm. and crew there and uh yeah what do you think about that whole sort of the the asteroids and them having this this energy and that kind of that whole sort of plot of uh, uh, part of the plot. No, it's intriguing. It's um, I'm I'm having a good time um, watching them be scientists as opposed to warriors or, or reluctant yeah. warriors. Right. Um, because they there's something you know, something when Star Trek is is going well, something that uh, the original series did better than I think some of the other succeeding series. They gave you a really good strong sense for like feeling like you were really watching real people, real humans in space. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're better than we are, right? They don't have the same problems we do, but they're still human beings. Mm-hmm. And, um, but they're just people at, at work doing their jobs and it's a particularly exciting job, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise it makes, it's not interesting television. Right. But especially with Tignataro and, Tilly and with Pike, all the, the three of them have a very real, like, I feel like I've, I've met these people or that I, I, I could meet them. Mm-hmm. And what's yeah. funny is that like they contrast with Burnham in that way, because Burnham is very kind of 
stiff and solemn yeah. and Vulcan-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everybody was kind of that way last season uh, for the most part. Uh, that it, it was just it was it was kind of serious uh, take mm-hmm. on things and. Uh, I agree. This was kind of fun to see sort of a return to sort of the, the, the mini kind of mystery in the, in the original series, like that each show was kind of, here's this, yeah. here's this alien that they don't understand here, them trying to understand it. There's a problem that they have to solve. And right. by the end, then they're going to solve it. <laughs> We're going to figure it out for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And it's, I, sometimes I, I like, the more sort of episodic particularly in the next one i liked how it was sort of felt like an episode as opposed to uh there were continuing threads but it's nice when you get those sort of standalone episodes as well like my favorite of last season was the um time loop one by far yeah uh magic to make the sanest man go mad or something like that yeah yeah they were fond of the long titles last season (laughs) um yeah, uh, yeah, that was yeah, that was a goodie. Um, and yeah, and it's fun to, to to get that get some of that episodic feeling back. What I the strong sense I got out of season one, rewatching season one, and and especially in these first few episodes is the sense I'm getting is that it's like, you know, suppose that Star Trek didn't happen in the '60s. You know, mm-hmm. suppose someone dug up Gene Roddenberry's papers and they found this pitch for a show, and they they successfully made it in 2018, 2019, right. 2017. And um, that's what, this is what it would be. Mm. Like it would, it yeah. would have all the style of a, of a modern show. It would have all the kind of the cinematic, cinematic kind of uh, production values that go along with it. Uh, it would have all these things, right? So um, in a way it's, yeah, I think they're, they're striking a nice balance of old yet new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, it's not, I don't know, sometimes I thought maybe last season it was trying to kind of, uh, trying to be a little, I mean, I don't watch Game of Thrones or things, but uh, it was kind of trying to be sort of have sort of the darkness of some of those premium shows, you know, whereas one of the things, not there wasn't darkness in Star Trek, and I'm not like an expert, but there was always, I thought, something kind of uplifting about star trek you know that it was aiming for high, a higher ideal and uh, so it's nice to see some of that i feel like already coming back this season uh so but um we do get this whole plot line with burnham uh, seeing this red figure on the asteroid mm-hmm. uh, what did you think about this i thought it was cool and I, we kind of get more of this in the second ep- in in the yeah. second episode new eden um like more of a like an interpretation of it that was a cool setup and i'm it's interesting to see the payoff unfold yeah yeah and so it makes her start to think about spock because spock when pike comes aboard spike is gone and did it bother you that spike spike what am i saying did it bother you that spock was in a in a self-imposed, uh, like I guess, asylum, getting treatment. Did um, that not self-imposed. You? I think he was. Um, I got the impression that he was. Oh, yeah, was he I, I, I don't know. That's a question. I thought. I thought he was forced. He was committed. I didn't know that oh, he volunteered. I was, I was thinking he had asked to 
go there. Um, but maybe I misunderstood. I only got to see each episode once, so that's possible um, that I could have misunderstood that. Um, yeah, but the, anyway, that's clear in the second one, and I only I only watched that one once, so I, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. So, but regardless, did that bother you that a character, a beloved character like that, is that they're changing kind of his canon, his character, uh, in that way? No, I, I I don't think it's really a change. Um, I think it's. Uh, what what I'm seeing so far is in line with what we saw of Spock in the original series, that like he's, yes, he's logical Mr. Spock, but he's also in, extremely independent and will, if he, if, if he has a good enough reason, he'll hijack a ship, he'll defy orders, he'll throw his career away for the right reason. You know, for those who are interested in seeing some of that action, um, you can look at um, the Menagerie parts one and two. Mm. Um, but especially part one yeah there are all kinds of situations where Spock has gone off on his own to do his own thing yeah so he has these I don't know what you'd call them these um, uh, it's like a virtual reality tablet yeah. um, mm-hmm. that he has been as even from back as a child been following these seven signals right and uh and he's kind of obsessed with uh obsessed with this in a way and he's they go back to you see him as a little boy and her coming into the family and him not being very welcoming uh to that but they obviously had like some kind of relationship and i mean i'm only guessing that we're gonna kind of i mean i'm assuming we're going to get spock pretty soon in this season mm-hmm. um and uh that we're going to dive more into that sort of complicated relationship but uh but yeah I and mean, what do you think of this whole these sort of i don't know what the word is for him these sort of tablets that that he's sort of following and uh did you think that was intriguing oh yeah it was cool and and to clarify i think what what's going on there is that i don't i don't think he started seeing them as a kid but he did start having nightmares later about um or dreams about these red angels and these signals Mm. so that's how he knows about them but he's been keeping these kind of tablets for a long time right yeah this this particular tablet yeah that's true with the same tablet he had when he was a kid yeah Yeah. um and I guess it's sort it, of sort of a way to draw and kind of also yeah it's an art you know, tool yeah. yeah yeah so it's a way for him to you know and Amanda you know showed him like I've tried to show my son if you're scared of something you need to draw a picture of it mm-hmm. you, know? you need to kind of get the monster out of your head and meet him you need to meet your monsters and um and face them so that you can deal with them mm-hmm. and so that's interesting as a possible you know theme going into the show and that's that's a you know that's a star trek it's a very star trek kind of thing you you instead of running from the unknown um or just attacking it you try to understand and embrace it mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah uh, to kind of feel like you maybe have some control over it a little bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting the Vulture article, he says, the elephant not in the room this week is Spock. At the very least, his presence or lack thereof in the premiere is very, sorry, sorry, I'm trying to remove it, as though to assure us it's not the lazy fan service it appears. The bait and switch with his non-reveal as the Enterprise materializes on the transporter, a close shot of his square jaw and then his human ear, as though ratcheting up fans' anticipation of his arrival and deliberately dash it. 
was deeply satisfying, not to mention somewhat reassuring. Yeah. What he says. Yeah, no, that, it was it was nicely orchestrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they keep they keep playing the every time Spock is even mentioned, they keep playing the the fanfare from the original series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of oh, I, I hope they I dial that back that. a little bit, but interesting. Uh, it says, and judging from Burnham's flashbacks to her arrival into Sarek, uh, Amanda and Spock's home on Vulcan, it's pretty clear that we're leaning into the awkward insecurities suggested by Zachary Quinto and J.J. Abrams' film franchise uh, reboot. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Spock strikes you as the kind of guy who's always struggled to connect with the world. Well, and, and, and in um, The Naked Time, uh, we see that the veneer of his Vulcan logic is peeled back and we see how devastated he is by his lack of connection to the rest of the crew. Yeah. But he kind of sits on that. And then one other interesting point I thought he made, he said, uh, meanwhile, baby Spock's vague rejection of baby Michael is obviously driven by anxiety, if not a deliberate insinuation that he's on the autism spectrum. Burnham intimates to both Pike and Sarek that there's more to their relationship than she has divulged yet. Yeah. Would you, what do you think about that? Have you ever thought of Spock being on the spectrum? I can see why people on the spectrum would identify with him a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I, maybe they're trying to just deepen that sense a little bit more. The way he's just kind of like completely impassive and disconnected, Mm -hmm. it feels autism-y, but, you know, we're talking about an, we are talking about an alien but we uh, it is a way we, we use these these aliens to understand ourselves right story. Yeah. so yeah very very interesting so yeah that that was kind of the episode uh, i was sort of just laying a lot of the pieces uh the biggest parts were you know this asteroid but then also sort of burnham's vision and then getting to introduce to pike was sort of the biggest parts uh, and so then we get into episode two. This is called New Eden. This was actually directed by Jonathan Frakes of uh, Next Generation fame. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fun. I think he directed other as well, but I could be wrong. Yes. Uh, according to the Vulture article, he did uh, the half season premiere, the one where they uh, they pretend to be the... Uh, ISS Discovery, yeah. Yes, uh, in the um, in the uh, Terran Empire. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, he's done one before, but uh, this felt to me really old school. I really liked that it was kind of them going onto a planet, meeting you know these not aliens, but meeting these these new people, these new mm-hmm. new things, and then like kind of having a problem and having to solve the problem. And I so I really enjoyed it, and uh, I thought it had something to say something to think about um without being too heavy-handed i i thought it was a really good one yeah no it, it, this one felt of all the episodes uh so far of this series um either season mm-hmm. this one felt the most familiar like oh i'm watching a new episode of the original series like that's kind of it it kind of played out that way to me yeah yeah so they make a big jump a uh, big spore jump. They're still using Stamets as the, uh, uh, I don't know what you call him, the connection between the spores uh, and the ship uh, to be able to... Kind of the, the human supercomputer to navigate them where they want to go, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, so the one kind of connection, I guess, to last season is that he, 
sees this whole vision of Lieutenant Colbert, his uh, fiance, I believe, uh, that had died last season. He sees this whole vision of him and he thinks, I mean, you just, it feels so real to him. And he, it, it sort start, of starts this interesting thread that we're going to have to see where it goes, where he's all the more sort of, there's a side of him that wants to almost give in to this dark matter, to the thing so that he could be with his love. Uh, and of course that scares Tilly a lot. Um, but uh, what did you think about that? Well, yeah, um, they were flirting with the supernatural here. And I think that's, that's bold and interesting. Uh-huh. Um, Deep, Deep Space Nine has kind of done that sort of thing before, but not nearly as, um, and not as nearly a daring way. Like they, they, not with as much depth here and, and with uh, uh, personal stakes as they're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really interesting. And the, the way that they're, they're flirting with an afterlife here, where like, oh, it is, nothing is truly gone, right? We get that line from Stamets. And then we find out that Tilly's been having conversations with ghosts through a big chunk of the episode. Mm-hmm. You know, that was yeah. a cool That's reveal, great. right? Um, well, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, we had kind of a similar thread on Doctor Who this last season, actually, randomly, with the character Graham, whose uh, wife, Grace, dies at the beginning of the, spoiler alert, I guess, but the beginning of the season. And uh, he's sort of given little moments throughout the season where he can abandon the Doctor and sort of live in this kind of false reality of being with Grace. He's sort of tempted. Mm-hmm. Um but the, like there's there's one spot where they uh they go into this alternate dimension and you can it's kind of similar to that mirror in harry potter that you can just sit in front of and see you know you're oh, yeah. you can get lost in it and i forget the name but um uh, it's kind of that similar sort of temptation of the 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 love that you have and being sort of tempted to just sort of bask in it i guess if that makes sense and i kind of felt a little bit of that with uh-huh. in this that he is he's going to be he has been and he's going to be sort of tempted by that kind of false well i, I think he's attracted uh, but he's also repelled because they, you know he's a confirmed mm-hmm. atheist right mm-hmm. we've got that moment with his mirror self where his mirror self says you're wrong about everything there it is a god and she's very angry right but he's just teasing him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right so he's a confirmed atheist he oh, does not right. believe in an afterlife and you know, when in the, after that second jump, he kind of storms out of engineering until he's like, Hey, what's wrong? And he's like, just don't like, don't talk mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, he, and he wants to go to the Vulcan science Academy to teach where he's been offered a job. He wants to get away from the discoveries engine room. He wants to get away from reminders of Hugh and, th- and th- this is only getting worse for him. Yeah. I mean, is there a reason why they don't have anyone else do the the spore drive is it, why it has i can't remember why it has his, to be him his, his his genes have been altered to match the tardigrades mm-hmm. and um this is explicitly as they mentioned this is explicitly against the law in this future of humanity you don't screw with people's genes you just don't mm-hmm. and some of that is it mostly solves like writer's problems but there's also like some in-universe reasons for it Mm-hmm. Um, i.e. con right that he was he was the result of genetic oh right enhancement yeah. and so because that was so dangerous and such a terrible experiment and it went so horribly wrong and it was so dangerous they just don't do it 
right? And there's, a, there's yeah. actually a character in Deep Space Nine who has been genetically tampered with because his parents were terrified for his future. And he was born a sickly, stupid little kid. And his parents, you know, w- you know, got on the black market and got his genes enhanced. And he's and he hides it his whole life mm-hmm. uh, because he's an illegal. His existence is illegal. Mm-hmm. But anyway, interesting. I, I digress. Yeah, no, that's um, interesting. So basically, there's the idea that there's this fungi, fungi, dark matter world where the dead yeah. live on this sort of alternate dimension. And and so, uh, I, you know, that it's an interesting thing that. Like I said, I feel like I feel like Samus is going to be sort of tempted to find that world, to stay in that world, and I think that Tilly realizes that, and that's why she starts trying to find this asteroid that can replace Stamets uh, on the spore drive. Well, I think it's the other way around. I think she's afraid that he'll. I think she I think she's afraid this will chase him away. I think she's afraid that he'll go to the Vulcan Science Academy. She'll never see him again, and she'll lose her mentor and friend. Because like he points out, everything she does is out of love. Well, can he be uh, lost to that second dimension, though? I don't know. If he gives into it? Would he, he be might. lost? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's really interesting to see what happens. But yeah. I think that's what, why she tries to get that asteroid. Because she's, she's trying, to, trying to find something that can replace him in the, mm-hmm. yeah. in the drive. And so anyway, uh, yeah, so that's just sort of a side plot kind of going on. Uh, amongst the main plot uh so they end up in the beta quadrant which would normally have taken 150 years to reach mm-hmm. but because of the support drive they they get there and they find this uh planet that has i i didn't even realize it but according to the vulture article that there are eleven thousand humans uh, on this mm-hmm. planet i didn't realize there was some yeah. landing, mm-hmm. but i missed that but anyway, um, they and they have this chapel and kind of world there, and uh, I assume that 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 was all somehow taken from Earth, the, yeah. the chapel and stuff. And uh, it's pretty interesting. First of all, there's this distress signal that has been on loop for two centuries, which is mm-hmm. interesting. And uh, and then. They, they get there, and then this church, they have this combination of all of the beliefs of man. Mm-hmm. There's everything from Wiccan to Christianity, mm-hmm. everything. And they all believe in everything mm-hmm. and in this church, but there's one man named Jacob who believes it's a lie. That it's all a fault. And mm-hmm. yeah, what do you think of that whole idea of sort of this combination religion? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I sort of squinted at that and went, nah, no, I don't see that happening. At the same mm-hmm. time, though, like if I can, if I, I had to sort of like just suspend my disbe- disbelief a little bit, I had to willfully do that. Uh-huh. Um, I think what it is is that they, the writers needed to do that because if they made it too specific, it, you would lose the audience. Mm-hmm. It would, and you'd lose the point of the episode. They needed to be able to talk about religion in the abstract. Mm-hmm. So that they could explore some ideas about it that have nothing to do with any specific religion. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I thought it was kind of interesting, though, the idea of sort of getting down to sort of the core idea of what all religions are trying to do for people mm-hmm. and what they kind of give people. Yeah. And, you know, this idea of sort of this uh, that this angel 
brought them to the new planet and the you know a new eden a new start a new thing and and the idea is this is there's been world war three and uh so they were all sort of hiding in this church uh which i mean there's you can't really overthink it because it's like how did that stained glass get made that way i guess that was on earth made that way i don't know but anyway no i i, I gathered that that was they, they made, made the stained glass after they arrived because they've had two anyway. centuries to live there and develop this place yeah and anyway and so yeah i mean I, I think there's something kind of interesting about that to think about like the core thing that whether whatever you believe the core thing that that religion does for people and why it would be so sort of needed uh in the in this land in these people and uh i don't know i thought that was interesting i like that no it was cool and i um i like that uh you have burnham and um and pike kind of playing against each other a little bit yes where, where burnham burnham says well what if science is my religion right and it's, that's right. how she sees science it's something that gives her like meaning um, yeah. I don't, you know, my opinion, I don't think science is particularly good at giving you meaning. I think it, it's good at telling you how the, how the world works, but mm -hmm. it doesn't tell you what to do. It doesn't tell you what you should be doing with yourself. And that's a right. different question. Yeah. That's it's a humanities at, question. That's not a science question. Very good. Yeah, that's very true. It's good at getting you to ask questions, but yeah. does it really answer that many? Not really. I mean, it, it, it depends on the kind of questions you're asking. I think it's good at answering certain kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But um, I think that Pike recognizes that and he sees the, he sees both sides, right? He says yeah. that his, so I think it was like his mom was a science teacher and his dad taught comparative religion. Mm -hmm. And so he, he kind of sees both. And I like how he, he seems to, we get the sense that he's a little wiser than Burnham and that Burnham still has some wisdom to acquire. And, oh, and actually, I like how Pike kind of half quotes Spock. He says that we always got the sense with Spock that he realized that logic was the beginning of the picture and not the end of it. Mm -hmm. And in Star Trek six, Spock says to his, uh, his protege that logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, we're kind of getting an echo there of that same idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. We don't spend that much time with the, they call it the mother um, or the villagers. It's pretty much just Jacob that we spend time with. But uh, did you did you think that we, I mean, I kind of wish we could have gotten a little bit more of them, but like, I think they are really just placeholders for the idea of religion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, yeah, don't, yeah they're, they're saying don't look too closely at who's believing what here. Just, we're just talking about faith. Yeah in this broad way. Uh -huh. uh, one thing that was cool though, um, oh, and I should have looked up the name of the episode beforehand. I'll, I'll give it a googs and see. Um, but they were echoing, they were riffing on um, a next gen episode. Uh -huh. And in this next gen episode that I'm talking about, they run across some quote proto Vulcans, right? So a primitive culture, they, they all look like Vulcans. Stop asking questions. However, the Federation is, is watching them um, because they're primitive and the, they think, well, we can understand ourselves better if we watch them. Well, the holographic, you know, protections fail one day and they're exposed to a couple of the local people. And in fact, one of them gets injured and they're beamed up to the Enterprise and um, cared for. 
And one of the locals sees Captain Picard in this sort of hazy light, and he sees him issuing orders and being very commanding, and he is sent back to his home planet. They don't realize that he was conscious for a minute. But they send him back to his home planet, and he starts talking about the Picard as a god, mm-hmm. right? And he becomes so convinced you know, that these proto-Vulcans are headed down a very rational path. They talk about, oh, well, we believed in gods long ago, but we don't believe in that anymore. Um, it, it, you know, it makes no sense. It doesn't, you know, we know now that science is, we know now the scientific reasons behind the rain and the stars and everything. But this guy is saying, no, there is a God. There is a, a great uh, a creator and it's the Picard and we have to have faith in him and do what he wants or he's going to kill us all, right? And Picard has to go out of his way, has to come down in the end and say, I'm not a God. Prick me, I bleed, you know, and he's like, mm-hmm. fine, shoot me. He's like, you know what? Shoot me. Shoot me with a bow and arrow, and it'll prove I'm, I'm mortal. If that's what it takes, that's what I'll do. And he takes an arrow to prove it. It was a, It's a cool, cool episode. A mm-hmm. lot of cool stuff happens in it. But it reminded me of this, where he, the guy shoots Pike, I think, doesn't he? Um, and he's so convinced. No, you are from the Federation. You are. There, you, you guys did use science to get out of uh, you know, our, our problems. I know it. Right, so he's kind of like this weird, like a mirror version of that guy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, yeah, he's and he's kind of it's he's not arguing for faith; he's arguing for science. But he's saying, "No, I know it. I know that's what you are." Which, uh, which Pike and Burnham have a disagreement of because Pike wants to keep the I think they call it the first order, um, where they cannot change the evolution of this group, but in Burnham's uh i in burnham's mind they're all kind of living a false truth and so she feels like we need to tell them that this is not true uh but he feels like they need to come to that understanding organically as a people mm-hmm. um, yeah so that they, they have this is the prime directive you may have heard prime of it so yeah. it's yeah it's just they if it's if the culture doesn't have warp drive they can't interfere or show off their tech or anything like that and this is the the uh the people somehow got to this planet a decade before or before before warp drive is what the vulture article said yeah Mm -hmm. and so so i guess that we don't really know how they got there um it was just to do after world war three that they got there by the way the the next gen episode i um i was talking about is called who watches the watchers if you want to check that out that sounds good uh yeah so it's interesting uh and uh so yeah so there's this character jacob who like you said uh shoots him with the slight gun thing and uh kind of knocks him out for a bit and uh is she's he's the one been sending the distress signal he believes that this whole idea of the angel and everything is a lie and he he's desperate for them to sort of confirm that he's right about it which was interesting uh i mean i can only imagine if you had spent being been around all these other people who are convinced it is right i mean that would be very difficult yeah you kind of felt sorry for him immediately and i imagine imagine non-believers who grew up in households of believers can identify with or vice versa, believers right. who grew up in houses of non-believers, where you don't, where your tribe is not on, you're not on board with it, with whatever your tribe believes, 
it can be very isolating. Yeah, it's 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 I I think you could definitely feel a lot of empathy for the character. Yeah, and and then basically they kind of just go back and forth, back and forth. How did you feel about how it was all resolved with Jacob and the group and everything? Um, I liked how it all it was resolved, but also kind of not. Um, I uh, um, that's what I'm enjoying about this see this series is that in the other series we kind of get um, everything wrapped up in a nice bow and a nice speech, right? It, the, in the old way of doing TV, every episode had to stand on its own. If you jumped in in the middle, you, you would get exactly what's going on, right? But this is different. Now they have the luxury of a long-term audience who's sticking with them and they can tell a much bigger story. So there's still lots of questions unanswered and that's kind of cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they end up having to try to create this... Um, this bounce this they they use the asteroid uh they, they have to kind of fling the asteroid like a shot put to yeah, create a gra- cool. yeah to create a gravitational pull that will uh there's all this de- debris in space and that will kind of pop them off and then they can get the the people off the planet they can get they can get off of this um this gravitational pull um and then you see also uh, when they are beaming up, you see basically the whole church turns like bright like that, mm-hmm. um, which was right, because Pike leaves them a, a power source. Oh, that's right, that's right. Okay, because I was gonna say I've never seen that before with someone beaming up, being so bright. Oh and... no, it's yeah, Pike. Pike and it, it, they set up an exchange. Pike said, you know, don't tell anybody about us, but here's a power source. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so then they get beamed up and that's when you see Tilly. She is, like I said, she was trying to get this asteroid, um, but it ends up flinging her across the room. Um, and, and then she wakes up and they kind of, she, she goes to, she, she goes out of the hospital bed and goes to help with the, uh, this whole operation of getting, getting the asteroid to bump off of the, uh, off of the debris in space um, and so anyway they're sort of interesting with her character I don't know sort of breaking the rules uh, which she doesn't normally do um, but, uh, but but you know but also getting pretty injured so it'd be interesting to see what she kind of does next and what's going to happen yeah I like I like how her character is developing and um, she does truly feel like Ensign Tilly and not you know shy cadet tilly who is you know afraid to make any kind of move whatsoever mm-hmm. um she's getting a little daring and confident yeah because it's her idea to to bump to do this maneuver and so that's what she gets out of the sick bed and she goes and kind of leads leads it a little bit and uh, so it's interesting there's also a um uh a new um or at least new to me i don't remember seeing her before a new member of the crew named uh lieutenant os suckum Osukum. anyway who grew up they bring her uh onto the uh to eden to the new eden uh because she grew up in like a luddite type community uh in a traditional community and she knows how to blend into these kind of environments so they bring her on and so it's be interesting to see if we get to see any more of that character i hope i hope we get to see more of her and i hope we get to see more of the jet reno character because we didn't see her at all this episode 
True. Um, yeah. But I hopefully we get to see both of them because I thought they're they're both good and interesting. Uh, but yeah, I like that um, he kind of did uh, that. Pike kind of did a sound off in the first episode where remind everybody, oh, there are other people here, and they are consistent, and they are coming back every week. Mm-hmm. So get to know them because we're going to get to know them. I mean, in the first season, they would you'd see them doing this and that in the background, but the leads really were taking all the oxygen out of the room, right? And this season, I guess, there's going to be a little different. So, Yes. Yeah, and, and then we also have sort of more with Burnham still seeing this sort of red angel, whatever, in her dreams, which uh-huh. is interesting because she's having these dreams at the same time that dealing with this sort of religious plot, you know, kind of a thing, and uh-huh. and worrying about Spock, what's going to happen. Yeah, I like that, that Burnham is encountering the unknown here, but not in a, oh no, it's the Klingons kind of way, but in a everything I believe might be wrong kind of way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's interesting what Pike says. He says, any sufficiently advanced extraterrestrial intelligence is indistinguishable from God. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, you know, that's kind of interesting. He's, the vulture guy, he says, uh, he says, this strongly suggests they're one and the same, and we're about to meet some sort of unknown superhumanoid species. And he says, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but this angel would be the first ever winged humanoid in the Trek canon. And he says, whether that species is still alive and pulling the discovery strings or the ship is following some sort of radioactive echo trail, connecting these beings past travails would be a revelation like these be enough to induce Spock into a full-blown breakdown. I know my brain is already on the fritz trying to parse it all this stuff. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot um, of stuff in there, but it's it's interesting. As, yeah. Whether a winged humanoid is in, is ever been in canon before, it depends on if you count the the animated series. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, like, I mean, I, I like kind of what he's overall saying. Is sort of you've got Burnham and this sort of vision that she's dealing with, but then also these people that are also believing in an angel you've got sort of a lot of interesting kind of spirituality versus uh extraterrestrial kind of a thing sort of going on which is interesting yeah yeah it's yeah. fun um i i like that this we're going to be playing with these ideas uh, mm-hmm. through the whole season i'm really looking forward to it yeah and uh, what how long do you think it'll take for us to get spock where we're going to see him I'm, I'm guessing next episode next episode yeah yeah that'll be cool so there you go. That's kind of, that was sort of my thoughts. Did you have any other uh, parts you wanted to cover? Of this um, one? Uh, no, just um, go, go look at, uh, uh, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with um, Star Trek past, uh, go look at Menagerie parts one and two and mm-hmm. uh, look at um, who watches the watchers um, because mm-hmm. those are well worth looking at. And uh, they, you'll see things in these episodes you, you, you weren't seeing before. So yeah yeah that sounds really good uh for sure uh definitely that sounds great well let us know what you thought of these two episodes you got to see them uh we would love to talk about it either here in the comment section or on twitter uh yeah let us know what you thought and uh, how you're feeling about the season uh, so far and we will be back in two weeks to talk about two more episodes and uh and so that will be really fun and so tom where can people find you online um i'm on twitter at Almano roboto um, I'm on Instagram at uh, Tom Gun Poet, um, and yeah. 
great. And I will have all that information in the description section. So just check that out. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media and on iTunes, YouTube, and on Round Tomatoes now, which is very exciting. So check that out. And uh, yeah, I, will be, I will be covering uh, the Sundance Film Festival is in, in uh, all over my social media. So make sure if you're interested in that, you're following me and it'll be really fun. So thanks so much. This was really fun to, to talk again and to talk about this uh, Star Trek discovery. Yeah, thank you. All right. And uh, so we will talk again in two weeks. Bye. Okay, bye.